Hi, it's Elise Lunan, host of Pulling the Thread. Today's guest is Jetta Molly, the founder and director of an organization called Intelligent Life. We explore the underlying intelligence and energy of the universe and how it shows up in our own lives, NGOs, and corporations. I woke up at 2 a.m. last night drenched in sweat, throwing bedding off of me. Every pet was also on top of me, which probably didn't help. Many nights, I have the opposite problem, where I'm hunting in the hall closet for extra blankets in the wee hours because I'm freezing. In part, this is because my husband and I have wildly different sleep temperature preferences, and I'm cold because he's left all the sliding doors in our house wide open. But there's actually a solution I've come to learn. And I'm all about a sleep solution because we know how important good, uninterrupted sleep is for every facet of health. Have you heard about Chili Pad by Sleep Me? It's a bed cooling system designed to revolutionize the way you sleep naturally. The Chili Pad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees. You can also choose a different setting than your partner, so you each get what you need. What I want? A cool mattress with piles of blankets on top. ChiliPad believes sleeping at the optimal temperature helps people naturally reach their highest potential physically and mentally. Visit www.sleep.me thread to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code THREAD. This offer is available exclusively for Pulling the Thread listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleepsleep.me thread because you're not just investing in better sleep, you're creating a better life. Hi, it's Elise Lunan, host of Pulling the Thread. I'm an author, podcast host, and parent who built a long career in media. I grew up in a state of perpetual curiosity, investigating the world and asking a lot of questions. In this show, I chat with culture-defining leaders, thinkers, and experts about this rare moment that we find ourselves in and how to think about our own lives and experiences within a larger social and spiritual construct. So natural intelligence has this ability to bring order when we allow it to. The reason that we don't see it so often in operation in human systems is because we're constantly interrupting those patterns. So the human intervention is constantly getting in the way of and disrupting the natural order. Therefore, every time it tries to express itself or reveal itself, we come in again. And we see that most clearly, you know, during the pandemic here, I think many places around the world, it happened here in the UK, that how nature was able to establish itself very, very quickly within a week of the first lockdown. You know, we were seeing dolphins in the Thames. So says Jetta Mali, the founder and director of Intelligent Life. 
which is a model and mapping system for understanding our own lives as well as the larger universe. If it sounds heady, that's because it is, but it's also a stunning articulation of collective human values and the ways that we each show up, as well as the gap between how we live and how we profess to want to live. It is an entirely original and new system that gives context to all of our lives. What Jetta's map reveals is the way we can be more conscious in all of our actions as we move from survival to unity. Okay, let's get to our conversation. Hi, Jetta. Thanks for being here. I know you don't do a lot of this, right? It's such a complex system. We'll just state yes. up front that sometimes visual supports help and there are yes. visual supports on your website, but... Yeah, there's things people can watch, you know, like there's a TED Talk or there's a, a slide presentation, there's a little video on natural intelligence, so they can watch those things if they want to get more information. Perfect. But I feel like listening to you talk about this is fascinating in and of itself. You know, and I know we can talk about sort of how the system came to you or how you, I don't even know what you would call it, downloaded it, stumbled upon it, unearthed it, started to understand patterns as you worked through your own life. But essentially, can you sort of give a, an overview of what intelligent life is and what intelligent, what natural intelligence is, which sits beneath it? Well, intelligent life is just the slightly quirky name we gave to our organization. And there's a serious side in so much as, you know, it's a nod to the intelligence of nature and that's present in all life. So it works on that level. But it's also very slightly cheeky nod to the fact that, you know, we're trying to putting all this money into space exploration programs and finding intelligent life out there. And it's never occurred to us to <laughs> find it on planet Earth. And there just seems to be a paucity of it, one could argue. So that's, we thought it was an appropriate name for an organization. And then natural intelligence as a phrase, I don't think I can rightfully claim that I coined the phrase, but it is associated with me and with intelligent life. This is what I speak about primarily. And that is the, there's many ways to describe it, but you could see it as the operating system of life. So we're talking about the, the code, which is woven into the energy of life that organizes, orchestrates, coordinates everything. So, I mean, we're building tech products at the moment and we know just what a head scratcher it is and how difficult it is to create a digital code to make, just to have one click through. So if we start to think about the code that's required to make every single thing, not just on life, but in all of existence, work, function, have some kind of maintenance level, have also a creativity, which lives and breathes through that consistency, then we're talking about some pretty sophisticated code. So that's what we call natural intelligence. I started off actually, because when I say natural intelligence, a lot of people think, oh, you're referring to the intelligence of nature. And I would say, yes, that's a component. But originally, I called it universal intelligence, which is 
more appropriate, but natural intelligence seems more intuitive for people. It's a it's a concept they can grasp more readily. And the idea, I mean, it's a it's a complex idea, and we're going to drill into its component parts and what this mathematical system might look like or might be. But this is also sort of an ancient idea, right? Like going back to Pythagoras or in some ways, it's not the Enneagram, but similar only in that people for millennia have understood that there is some underlying mathematical structure that guides and informs the universe and that it shows up from the micro to the macro. Obviously, there's no... Newtonian physics, right, explains a lot of life theoretically, but then it fails at a quantum level. But is the idea that there is one code or one complex mathematical system that can explain almost everything? Yes, but I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> compartmentalize it. <laughs> you, you felt the butt coming, didn't you? Yes, and you can, you can see why I don't only do this without slides, you know, to help me. Like a picture paints a thousand words. So I've now got to rely on these explanations. And my explanations aren't definitive or even perfect, but I'll give it a go. Also, we're talking about things that are existentially so vast and complex that it's difficult for language to capture it and convey it. But there is an underlying code which is hidden from us. I wouldn't necessarily condense it down to be just a mathematical code, although maths is a component of it. But it isn't just the manifest world that we see around us, which Newtonian mechanics has tried to explain. It's also the invisible world around us, which we don't see, which gives rise to the manifest world. And this is an area of some debate and certainly discomfort for those who do their science on the premise that if I can see it, it exists. If I can't see it, it doesn't exist. So the scientific, the current scientific model, and uh, going back to Thane's, is that it needs to be observable. And there's an aspect of this which is not observable. And our way of trying to decipher what that is and measure it and understand it is wholly inadequate. So we need to shift over from that Newtonian system into a quantum system, but not in terms of an intellectual understanding, in terms of an experiential understanding. Because once you get to the deepest levels of the universal energy, then the only way you can interact with it is through experience, through conscious Mm. experience. There's There's a point at which mathematics, formulas, and all of the intellectual thinking runs out and then you need to shift over onto another system if you want to go any further. And that's kind of the demarcation line we're at with our science at present. Yeah, no, it makes so much sense. And and you mentioned energy. And I know mm-hmm. I've heard you sort of talk about energy as this principle that we can all understand or grok, but that's the animating impulse of everything, right? The natural intelligence is the animating impulse and energy is the substance or the material 
that it's organizing. So energy is the building block. It's the it's the unit that is replicated over and over and over again, and it carries this code. So it's a mm. carrier medium which carries this code. The code is woven into it. So they, one could argue, they are one and the same, because. We think of energy as something which powers things, such as, you know, the electricity that comes through into our house or drives a motor. But actually, energy is everywhere all the time. And if we understand it as the building block from which everything is made, everything that is manifest and everything that is unmanifest. And so we have to understand the structure of that energy, we have to understand its properties, we have to understand its nature, we have to understand how it functions if we want to see that single thread which runs through everything. So that's kind of what we're doing at Intelligent Life, trying to describe that, not as quantum physicists describe it, and not as even biologists would describe it. And there is some... You asked about ancient systems and you asked about science. You know, there is definitely a crossover with ancient wisdom. But having studied most of the philosophies and religions and ancient wisdoms out there, that's a big body of knowledge. You know, it took me decades to go through it. And what I found was it, even though it works, and there are adherents all around the world which can attest to that, it's difficult to follow. And right now we need a simplified, accessible, usable form of knowledge, of wisdom actually, rather than just knowledge, that is going to help us solve some of the difficulties in which we find ourselves. And we simply don't have the luxury of devoting you know, 30 years to ancient Hindu wisdom. I'm exceedingly careful about what I buy, not only because I live in a 1,500-square-foot house with children who sure have an awful lot of stuff, but also because I try to be conscious about everything I use. In short, I want to use everything I buy. In addition, thanks to a decade in the wellness industry, I am very keyed into product claims and product content. This is why I like Ritual's Essential for Women 18-plus multivitamin, which is clinically backed with high-quality, traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. I also like their Symbiotic Plus 2, which is a probiotic that's simple and effective. Ritual makes the most elegant multivitamin around. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus has everything you need, specifically nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Their unique beetle oil is so slick it's actually patented, and their capsule has a delayed-release design, which is brilliant and essential, to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. And Ritual studies their vitamins, which is not the standard in the industry. Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18-plus multivitamin to assess its efficacy. The results, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. As most of us are getting far less sun right now, vitamin D supplementation is essential. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is one of the few women's multis that's USP verified, meaning what's on the label is what's in the formula. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark. 
It's also soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. Did I also mention that Ritual is a certified B Corp and female-founded? Nothing makes me happier than these two facts. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com thread. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com thread for 25% off. You talk about these, and we're going to talk about the maps in a minute and the way that they work from the micro to the macro. What's fascinating about what you guys do is that you coach individuals, and people can use this mapping technology to understand themselves along this, you know, spectrum of seven. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a chakra system. But we'll we'll talk about the map. But you work with individuals, NGOs, corporate companies. Theoretically, society, anyone, anyone, but it's the system that holds, right? Like where we see how things that we perceive as being an individual imbalance can show up even in well-intentioned nonprofits, et cetera. So we'll talk about that. Before we get to that, I just wanted to go through, you know, natural intelligence being this, you call it a fractal system that scales, but how it has Mm -hmm. these three components of natural order, natural genius, and natural growth. And those are three co-creative, complementary elements that help us create progress that's, as you say, peaceful, or the sort Mm -hmm. of enduring success in a corporation that's positive for the planet and people, animals. But all of these things that we profess to want, but we are stagnating, right, in non-peaceful solutions, conflict, an earth that can't support the way that we want to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you take us through those, what those, I guess we'll start with natural order. So they are, we're looking at the benefits. What are the benefits of working with natural intelligence here? And these are three that we chose to highlight in the video, which is on our landing page. But there are many more. But we thought those three would convey enough of what natural intelligence can do. So with natural order, that really speaks to the underlying organizing principle in natural intelligence, that there is, we tend to see the world as chaotic, that We can't see the correlations between seemingly disparate elements of life. We can't see that how we impact the big picture, how the big picture impacts us or even the bigger picture. And we don't really see how we can make a contribution. And we don't really have a very clear understanding as a species of you know, what the human is in its fullest sense, what our potential is, where we can head, what the possibilities are. So natural order is reminding us that there is an underlying order. There is this principle of underlying order within the energy with which we're doing the creating. So if we work in alignment with this energy, if we understand that and we know how to log on to it, access it, utilize it, then we can extrapolate or we can 
we can take from it the natural order which is inherent within it. And you'll see that in nature very clearly, how it organizes itself without any head scratching, without any meetings, you know, without any hierarchy. It's a self-organizing principle. So natural intelligence has this ability to bring order when we allow it to. The reason that we don't see it so often in operation in human systems is because we're constantly interrupting those patterns. Mm. So the human intervention is constantly getting in the way of and disrupting the natural order. Therefore, every time it tries to express itself or reveal itself, we come in again. And we see that most clearly, you know, during the pandemic here, I think many places around the world, it happened here in the UK, that how nature was able to establish itself very, very quickly within a week of the first lockdown. You know, we were seeing dolphins in the Thames, we were seeing birds where they were never birds before, people were hearing things, seeing things. And it was remarkable how systems regenerated. So this is a this is an example. The second one is natural growth. Oh, sorry, what did you say you wanted me to cover second? Natural genius. Oh, natural genius, yes. <laughs> this is the idea of like oh. that what are the thinking that got us here will not get us there, I guess, in a way. Right, or that's right, how right. I, I interpreted it. That we're yeah, yeah, to yeah. move into a yeah. change. Yeah. And and this is really because you know, natural intelligence is the intelligence of the energy, which is the core, which is the foundation, which is the center of all life. And in human beings, we tend to rely, instead of relying on that kind of intelligence to gift us inspiration, insights, intuition, we tend to rely on our logical, rational thinking. There's nothing wrong with logical, rational thinking. It definitely has its place. I mean, if we go into the supermarket and we want to compare the prices of two dog foods to make a choice as to which one to buy, we need that. We don't necessarily need to intuit that. We need to be able to decipher that. So there is definitely a place for logical, rational thinking. It's just that there are limits to logic and there are limits to this rationality that can't draw down higher solutions, which are coming from a place that is outside of our current thinking. So it's really expanding the parameters of our current thinking so that we can start to access new ideas, new possibilities. And we see this all the time with creative people, that this inspiration, this higher thinking, this elevated thinking, people who come up with new ideas, inventors, you know, they're bringing something into being. If logical, rational thinking was the only thinking modality we could and should rely on, then everything would stay the same. It would be like this. There would be no innovation. There would be no new possibilities. So this energy, because it is the energy which is everywhere at all times, it has access to universal information. So it's instead of logging on to World Wide Web, you're logging on to the universally extensional web, and that contains a lot of information. So natural intelligence can be a conduit to allow us, or an interface rather, to allow us to access that. 
And we can argue that we need some new thinking right now. We need some new ideas on this planet because the ones that we are recycling are causing further degradation and harm to ourselves and the planet that we live on. So we can see that the worldview that we are operating by hasn't brought us to a place of peace and equality and universal goodwill and certainly is not sustainable. So there's a good reason to, to question that. So the third one, the third benefit, natural growth, this is really to try and counter the idea pushed forward by the current economic model that you just need to grow your way out of every situation. Now, of course, the collateral damage for that constant growth is the natural resources that are used to fuel it. And I know there are some attempts to move sideways using technology and AI and to increase capacity without increasing the resources that we're using. But we are still growing as a world population. And so we need to understand growth that is regenerative rather than linear. And of course, there are many lovely models out there like cradle to cradle manufacturing that do a good job of explaining this. But in its pure state, the energy of existence does grow. You know, it it is expanding. We know the universe is expanding. We don't know why it's happening, but we know that it's happening. And so there is this onward momentum but we need to look at what the costs of that are and see if we can factor in a natural, sustainable form of it. So natural intelligence leads us in that direction. It's interesting. I mean, so, and I know there's obviously a lot of, as you mentioned, sort of ancient philosophy in this. It feels like Gurdjieff's law of three and the fourth way. It's the idea that there are three forces that have to be in a have to happen in order to move into sort of a new plane or to move anything forward, which is this idea, sort of the first force, he calls it affirming. The second force is denying or resistance. And then the third force isn't the isn't the synthesization of those two, but it's the reconciliation of those two forces that then drives it forward. It's complex and heady, but you know, I don't know if you know Cynthia Bergeau. She's this Episcopalian priest who gets is sort of a, a mystic, I guess you could call her. But she talks about it sort of in that way that like in order for a boat, a sailboat to really move forward. Well, I'm not a sailor, so let's use a different example. But like a seed, the seed needs the ground and water, mm-hmm. but it needs sunlight. That's the third force that bring, forces it to grow. Like seed in, in wet ground is not enough right? That's right. So that idea that there are these three forces, which we've also alluded to when we looked at the the nature and the properties of energy and natural intelligence. And this is also akin to the Trinity in the Godhead and also in other religious systems where they talk about the creator, the destroyer, and the sustainer. Yes. So- 
it's really interesting because it's not a binary model, right? We're so used to binary models of dark and light, masculine and feminine, yin and yang. And this is a ternary model. There are three elements and it creates that spiral that I think is the Fibonacci sequence maybe is I think what you guys use within the map. But it's interesting to think about it as like that's the propulsive force that we're talking about from the micro to the macro. It's not just, here's a great idea, go, 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 go. It has to encounter that resistance, that denying, that that other impulse in order for it to actually create any momentum forward in a way that's balanced, right? I don't know. Well, My head's breaking. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you were here in England, we'd just say, put the kettle on, have a cup of tea. You know, it's a universal panacea. These properties, because there is no direction outside of space-time, there is no direction. So these properties don't operate in a linear way. They are expressing in non-space and non-time perpetually. And so we can we can access them anywhere and we can harness them at any time. And I said earlier that, you know, there's a, re- there's a reason that your head is breaking, and that's because <laughs> you get to that point where, you know, the, the thinking mind, the everyday thinking mind can't any, any longer follow, and it needs to, you need to cross over into that other system to be able to notice, to be able to experience, to be able to understand And that system that we cross over into is using consciousness to navigate instead of just using the rational mind. The rational mind can contribute, but it can't lead the way. And it certainly isn't the operating system that we need in order to access natural intelligence. But Jetta, that's so hard. So how do you know, as someone who's traversed these planes and is guiding us through them, how do you know when you've crossed over? Like, is it a, a felt experience or is it just yes, when you, yeah. when this it's came very, to you, what did it feel like? It's, it is a felt experience. It, it's nothing but a felt experience, although you can clearly discern the wisdom and the understanding within it. But it, it is self-evident. So, for instance, when you use conscious awareness to navigate you feel instantly that you're more grounded, you're more centered, and you're more present, which brings all your faculties online. But you also, it's not just how you do it, it's what you notice. So once you start to notice this universal energy, you'll find that as consciousness interacts with universal energy, because consciousness arises itself from that universal energy, it's already predisposed to understand it. So when consciousness drops into universal energy, it's able to extract the understanding immediately. And that's why the effect is so immediate. It's not something you have to understand. It's something that you instantly feel. So, you know, if I were to drop a heavy weight on your toe, you wouldn't need to sit around and work out what had happened. It would be a felt experience. And actually, you know, understanding this universal energy and utilizing it in a very practical and grounded way is not as hard as you might imagine. Otherwise, I'd have no clients. 
So let's talk about I the wouldn't, map. I wouldn't <laughs> seek to. I wouldn't be a proponent of a system that was so ineffably hard to access or understand. Wondering what to give your mom or wife or daughter or friend or godmother for Mother's Day? From someone who cares a lot about her bed and sleep, may I recommend something from Cozy Earth? In fact, becoming a mom and suffering through its required sleep deprivation is where my obsession with sleep started. So it's one of those gifts that might really bring things full circle. After all, women in particular are really impacted by sleep deprivation, which has massive implications for our health. Between the hypervigilance of motherhood and the hot flashes of perimenopause and menopause, we get a raw sleep deal. So let me tell you about giving women you love their best night's sleep ever. Let me tell you about Cozy Earth. Their sheets are made from viscose from bamboo, and they are indescribably soft. So soft, like a bed hug, like no other. Now, I'm not the only mega Cozy Earth fan. Every single year since 2018, Cozy Earth products have been named as one of Oprah's favorite things. Oprah picked their best-selling bamboo sheet set because they're temperature-regulating and incredibly soft, and she picked their joggers and their socks and their pajamas. Meanwhile, Cozy Earth doesn't just make sheets. They also make pillows, blankets, and more. Cozy Earth makes their products by sourcing responsibly. They use the best suppliers with an eye toward quality, responsible production, cutting-edge technology, and premium materials. They're also incredibly durable. They get better with every wear, and they have an enhanced weave that is guaranteed not to pill even after washing and drying. All Cozy Earth products can be returned or exchanged within 100 days and include an additional 10-year warranty against defects. This Mother's Day, treat mom to the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize her self-care and sleep health. She deserves it. Don't forget to use my promo code THREAD at checkout for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. After placing your order, select podcast in the survey and select my show in the drop-down menu that follows so they know that we sent you. All right. So this map, which anyone can sort of can subscribe to this and do, and I know you're working on a new evolution of it. It's interesting. It's a grid. I'm just going to describe it to people. It's a grid and the seven things along the is it the y-axis, the vertical axis, we'll call it the vertical axis. If you look at them, I read them as as chakras. From the bottom up, survival, security, power, connection, mission, co-creation, unity. So similar, but maybe not exactly chakra-like, but this idea at the very bottom, we're thinking about sort of those root, basic root chakra needs, and then all the way to the top when you're connected to something more expansive. And then Along the horizontal axis, you translate those for people as you're moving from the inside to the outside and showing up in the world. And then you go through and you sort of map yourself along purpose, vision, values, inspiration, motivation, mindset, feeling, form, experience, relating, identity. Okay, so that's hard for people to imagine, but if they go in and then they actually map themselves, it's a really interesting experience. Although I'll have to say, you guys do an exquisite job when you're sort of clicking on, for example, purpose and unity. So that would be sort of the top of this grid, right? When you're really expanded. 
But as I was looking at it and as I've mapped myself, I respond to so many of these, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you know? It's like, and again, for, so this is the top of purpose and unity. And this is the explanation. We exist because we exist. Connecting to, understanding, and expressing life itself is the purpose of all human existence. We operate from a knowingness that life is far greater and more powerful than one individual and that it functions in a state of unity. We express that essential unity through the clarity of our presence. So that's the most, I guess, expanded. And then at the very bottom, to survive, which is bottom left quadrant, we exist in order to survive. Life has no purpose over and above staying alive. We get up each day thinking only about getting through that particular day, not the longer term picture of our life and where it might be heading. So I don't relate to that so much, but I relate to many at the top. So as people are mapping themselves, is the goal to get to the top? And how do you know what an intellectual concept versus something that you're actually living? Okay. <laughs> you, yes. without realizing it, you've asked me about five questions there. So <laughs> I do that. Me... <laughs> it's a tick. And I, I'm sorry to all listeners who are like, Elise, stop asking nesting doll <laughs> questions. <laughs> the grid that you refer to, which we call our map, is a system of levels and indices. And what they represent is the journey that conscious life forms go on as they evolve. So the trajectory from survival to unity is a huge span of growth and not the one that we would complete in a short space of time. And there may be some listeners who do not subscribe in any way to the idea of reincarnation. And so for those listeners, they'll just have to park what I'm about to say. But we take many bites at the cherry. So we come back again and again and again, not just here, but in other places to complete that full journey. So that is the evolution of consciousness right there. Across this axis is where we are undertaking our ability, our intent to bring things into being. So it represents the journey that energy goes through in order to manifest. Now, there are 11 mappable indicators, and then there's a final kind of summing up indicator column. But what happens is as we try to bring things into being, we're only dealing with a narrow sliver of understanding, maybe we become conscious around motivation. Maybe that motivation affects our thinking, that thinking affects our feeling, and that feeling affects our physical organism and what we bring into being. And yes, we pay attention to our experience, our relating, and our identity to some extent. But that's only a slice of what's possible, what's happening before motivation, there's a lot of unknown inputs. And this is where it really helps to understand natural intelligence and the properties it contains and how to navigate and utilize it. Because then we are able to be much more targeted and conscious about the inputs. Because this axis is describing a manifestation system 
if you're trying to produce something out of one end, but you're not quite sure what the ingredients are going in the other end, then you're operating somewhat blind. And this, this is true of humanity in general, because what happens to us individually with our individual intentions and creations is scaled up and is happening on a collective level. And that's why we don't have unity consciousness, either individually or collectively. So the correlation between the inner and the outer is very evident. Now, as you go through the mapping process, the mapping exercise, the map, the app will lead you through a series of questions. So in answer to your later question about, well, how do you choose one thing over another? They all look nice. It's a bit like going window shopping. Oh, yeah, I'll have a bit of unity and I'll have a bit of love and restoration Some and all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Just give, give, me it, give me everything. I'm feeling lucky. We can't sustain that. That's wishful thinking. So the app can't climb inside your head and say, I see that, you know, that isn't really possible for you. But what it does instead is to ask you a series of questions and to create a series of scenarios so that you can double check your answers. All of us want unity. All of us want love. All of us want these kind of effortless bands where there's expansion and light and harmony and peace. But if we're really honest, none of us can sustain that. You know, the average attention span is in seconds, let alone minutes or hours. So we, at our current stage of evolution, are not able to sustain those things. And how do we know that? Well, through, we just have to look at the state of our planet and see, you know, what is the general flavor of the thinking and behavior here, present here. And so the reality right now is that we are much more around the survival, the security, and the power band. Humanity in general hasn't even got as far as the connection band. And we are still a long way off from mission co-creation and unity. So whilst we might instinctively want those things, our ability to effortlessly pull them off is work in progress. So the map is there to help you contemplate how you might be utilizing your current thinking and behaviors and what that might be giving you. But what the map, what the full grid with all the cells filled in really represents is our evolving relationship with natural intelligence. So on the bottom in survival, it's, it's showing us how our sense of purpose and vision and values and mindset, et cetera, looks like when we have no understanding of natural intelligence. It's not factored in at all. We're not navigating that energy. These are the kind of behaviors that happen. These are the kind of outcomes that happen as we evolve into security, then power, then connection, and on. It represents our ability to understand and navigate that energy so that the, the developing relationship. So as a tool, we developed it to try to convey many different aspects at once, not only the big universal picture that contains the potential, the potential of the energy, that's the unity, that's the potential of the energy, but also to reflect back to us ways that we might be interrupting that 
natural order, that natural genius and that natural growth with our own version of misunderstanding and to help us see through the different indices where that might be showing up. Now, something you didn't mention that I think is worth mentioning is that we don't just map ourselves once, we map ourselves three times on the same map to represent the fact that we have a pretty average way of showing up day to day that's pretty reliable, unless we are have some kind of condition which makes that impossible for us. Most of us have learned how to be fairly consistent in our thinking and behaviors. And that's the green line, the, the usual self, we call it. Then we also have a blue line, which represents our potential self. And that's not the ultimate potential of the energy. That's our unique individual potential. So that's maybe where you are getting confused between your individual potential and the existential potential. And is that like the moment when you're like, I'm I'm here, like those moments when you really actually feel like you're living. Yeah, where you feel, yeah, you feel that your whole being is facilitated by something greater than the usual self, where you, you are full of inspiration and elevation. And it's kind of like your best self, how you feel when you are your best self. You behave very differently to your usual self. Right. And <laughs> not me, Jenna. Not me. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, most people apart from you. And something that none of us want to talk about is that we don't just have a usual self and a potential self. We also have a limited self. And that's roughly how we show up on our worst days. And the kind of thinking and behaviors we're willing to entertain and run through our being then. But if we think, oh, that's just a thought that's running through my head and that's not going to affect anything and I'll just get over it and my family will just have to put up with me till it passes. What we're trying to help people understand through the mapping and also the bigger body of work is that our thinking and behaviors is imprinting that universal energy all the time. So even though it causes locally a sort of disturbance for ourselves. the way that the energy replicates itself across larger fields and systems is that that influence is carried. So once we start to look at it from that perspective, we start to see that we do have a responsibility as to how we show up. So we need to be able to plot those sort of system derailers, system interrupters. And when we do that, it allows us to realize that potential self, which is sort of latent within us. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When we've spoken before, you've told me about work with NGOs. And just so people understand or, or contextualize this, you know, or nonprofits who really all they want to do is good, right? They only want to bring love, peace, harmony, light. And yet, 
organizations quickly fall into dysfunctional patterns too. So like where, can you give us an example of where an organization or company that is so theoretically so beautiful in its vision can stumble along that execution? Is it around power? Like where do you, where do organizations typically get hamstrung? Well, it depends on the organization. And because the vertical axis is representing the evolution of consciousness and the general stages that we pass through on that journey, then it depends what the company's sort of guiding ethos is, what their mission is. So roughly, generally, we say that the way you define your purpose, your vision, and your values collectively creates your mission in the world. And from that, you derive your inspiration, which then influences your motivation. So depending on where companies are at with regard to that, will will determine where they get hamstrung. But the corporate sector in general is sitting roughly around the power band. So, you know, that's where you get a lot of the Ego attributes showing up for that band. That's why in the corporate world, you get a lot of superiority, you get a lot of competition, you get a lot of kind of trying to be superior over others. There's a lot of these attributes show up again and again and again in the corporate world. Now, of course, there are companies that have grown beyond the need to do that, but it's hard to maintain an elevated company culture unless you're attending to all the individuals who work there and also looking at their own growth path. You can't just ask people to come to work, say, do this, go home. Okay, I'll put some money in your bank account. You know, that kind of exchange isn't going to produce the outcomes that our world needs right now, where we want cooperation and collaboration and we want trust and we want people to be self-motivating. So there are companies sitting still in survival. There are companies sitting in security and there are companies sitting in power. And there are a few that have moved into that connection band. There are a few. There are a few. Actually, there's there's some good examples in the States. You know, the States has produced a lot of light and dark, you know, even in recent times. But, you know, in terms of, innovative companies and you know companies that are well-meaning mm-hmm. the the states has has a yeah. good crop and you can understand just looking at the power band how you see companies slipping too at moments into security and survival and i just want to read across these are the words or descriptions for the power band and i think people will recognize them this is across these indices 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 I don't know how to say that Indices, yeah. Indices. (laughs) So this is the power band. To rule, success, power, attainment, superiority, ambitious, controlled, imposed order, stress, competitive, I strive. And the key lesson and present challenge is lack and consideration. So it's easy to see. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah, that's that's it, right? Like that's these words are so just even if you don't yeah. map and you just look at sort of the yeah. language that are you guys are using to describe these. Whereas the connection, yeah. which is possible, is to understand belonging, authenticity, connection, growth, open, balanced, considered, contentment, 
tolerant, I belong. Mm-hmm. So, and then it, it only goes up from there. Yeah. And we need to walk before we can run. And, you know, what lies at the heart of this, you know, is for us is that this universal energy exists. So we're not proposing that it exists. We're saying that it exists and we're saying it's it's an existential fact and it's now no longer in debate. But the gap between our exploration of this energy and our use of this energy, our ability to navigate it is massive because we have, as a species, we are only up to that borderline between power and connection ourselves collectively. Mm-hmm. So we're not quite yet at the stage where we can acknowledge that and let that be the guiding principle for all life, including our own. So we're still, you read out the words of the power band, we are still fighting and struggling to make it all about us, our idea, my idea is better than your idea, when there is already like a universal truth that is available that everybody can log on to. And there doesn't need to be this competition. There doesn't need to be this, you know, I've got it, therefore you haven't. So we want to try and help people understand that, you know, if we want to evolve ourselves, if we want the world around us to evolve we're going to have to move on from our current way of doing it. So mm-hmm. the mapping, because you can map organizations as well as individuals, you know, you can even map sectors, you can map industries, is showing us the limitations of our current approach and where we need to tread next on the path if we want to get out of the results it's been giving us. Um. That's a beautiful place to start. But I just want to add one final question. As we think about this map and we sort of see it as sort of a string, I mean, it, it shows up in the way that you, where where the final map shows up as, as a Fibonacci sort of a spiral in a way. But is the idea too that as some people evolve or maybe have been here, if we're going to go back to the reincarnation idea, which I, I firmly believe I'm with you, I'm on that truck with you, Jetta, not parked, but that companies, people sucked, will, will sort of be pulling the, the energy up by showing what's possible to exist higher on the map and that yes. that in turn inspires other people to step up? Yes. Yes. That's, that's how it works in part. But also the way that the energy is structured, it is naturally chatty. So the energy is a communication medium the zero-point energy field, so, you know, non-locality. So you can you can transfer information everywhere simultaneously. So you don't need for this sort of process of education, which happens like this, I pass it on to you, you pass it on to this person, this person, this person, like this. It's not, it doesn't work like that. It's, it's, it's literally in the field. So the knowledge that the front runners gain is in the field, which can be accessed because we're all in the field. So we're accessing it through the fields. Now we're getting a lot of information through the electromagnetic field, but we're also getting it through this zero point energy field. And they are 
master systems for transmitting information. And in we are designed, our very biology and our system is designed to be a receiving station. But the way that we use our system currently, that we are, it's like we've built the most incredible device that can, you know, receive radio waves from far distant planets, but we just haven't flicked the switch which allows the electricity to come in yet. You know, we are, we're, we're still in a very sort of land-based environment. And <laughs> are you optimistic? Of course. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm optimistic because I know just the incredible potential that this energy contains. And I know that even though we haven't quite understood it or accessed it, you know, consistently or reliably yet, as a species, of course, there are individuals who do, that we are designed to. So obviously part of what we're doing, we're doing a lot of training to help people make that transition. And, you know, so there's reason to go to work every day. Yeah, (laughs) it's a little brain breaking, but it's a beautiful system. It's a strange thing to get one's head around intellectually, you know, because the, the, the theoretics, they line up, you know, they work. And I try to do a job of explaining it theoretically. But as I said at the very beginning, the best way to understand it is experientially. So when you take people through an experiential exercise, then they go, oh, get it. Yeah. And, yeah. And then you realize that you don't have to answer a lot of questions. I know that's a complex system. And Jetta and I talked after and definitely want to invite you to join us on a Zoom to answer questions and maybe map together and see, see what emerges. But I love this idea. I love this idea of this underlying mathematical system that might be slightly beyond our ability to logically comprehend, but is something that we can feel and see around us and that it scales up and down from the micro to the macro. And it's so interesting to think about the fact that we have yet to discover that system. As she said, we're right at the edge of our knowledge and we recognize you know, that Newtonian physics works for most things, but it doesn't work at the infinitesimal level, at the quantum level. So we have yet to really understand the full spectrum of how energy animates the universe. But whether you wanna go into that specifically or just wanna understand yourself in the context of what's possible, I really recommend going to their website, Intelligent Life, and signing up for the mapping and playing around because it's really, it's fun to understand what's possible versus where most of us spend most of our days. And I think you'll immediately recognize and see the reality of life, which is that we are stuck at the bottom. And yet, if we could all find a way to move up, we would be much more durable. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. You can find show notes and full transcripts of the episodes at theelisepodcast.com. 
please sign up for my newsletter, I promise I won't spam you, or follow me on Instagram at Elise Lunan to get updates on new episodes. I'd also like to give a huge thank you to my sponsors who make this show possible. Please support them the way they support this podcast. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio. If you enjoyed this episode, please listen, rate, review, and follow Pulling the Thread, available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts, i.e. wherever you're listening right now. I also want to thank you in advance for sharing any episodes with friends you think might like the show because that is how podcasts grow. I want to give a shout out to Phil Svitek, Lauren LaGrasso, Serena Reagan, Mary-Kate McDonough, and the entire Cadence 13 team for producing these episodes, and to Valero Duvall for my key art. Take care of yourselves. I'll see you next week. High schoolers are busy, but no one's too busy to help fight cancer. The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society is looking for their next student visionaries of the year. Could that be your child? High schoolers who participate in the seven-week philanthropic leadership development program gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Forming strong teams behind them, they fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor right in their local community. Most importantly, this campaign is an opportunity for high schoolers to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Sound like something your child might be interested in? You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at LLS dot org slash students. That's LLS dot org slash students.